Tell you something's match of the week where myself, Lorca Mullen, and my co host Simon Cross pick a match from the wide historical world of wrestling and discuss it for about half an hour or so, depending on how interesting they find the bloody thing. And we've got a very interesting one to go with today, haven't we, Simon? Yes, it's my... yes, we do. I don't know why I'm doing the voice, yeah. uh, but yes, yes, we do. It's my first WWE pick. And it's a match that I've always considered a bit of a hidden gem. And one that I think should get a bit more love than it does. And one that I think is a bit more historically significant than some people give credence to. What I'm discussing today is the, with Simon of course, intermittently, is the two out of three falls match for the World Heavyweight Championship at Extreme Rules 2012 between the champion Sheamus and challenger and former champion, Daniel Bryan. I was so excited when you told me that this is what we were going to be doing. I love, love, love this match. I might put a little proviso out. I might stray into sounding a bit like a fanboy here, but this is just so, so, so much fun. I love this. And it is, in my opinion, like you say, a hidden gem, and it deserves more respect than it gets. Well, I think one I of personally the re- think. One of the reasons that it doesn't necessarily get that much attention is even on that night on that show, it wasn't the match that people were discussing when they went home because Extreme Rules 2012 was famously main-evented by Brock Lesnar's first match back in the WWE in eight years. And to think now there's an equal number of years since then in our recording. It's a crazy thought, really, isn't it? Gotta feel old. It was his match with John Cena and everyone went ape shit A because that match was a wild, crazy brawl. B, because John Cena took one of the nastiest-looking shit-kickings in his entire career. And C, much to the chagrin of everyone, he then won the match. (laughs) And cut a promo immediately afterwards. Yeah, there was that weird thing where it seemed like he was almost breaking kayfabe or something. It was a very odd promo that he cut at the end that almost implied he might have been leaving for a while. I wonder if there might be a few years down the line when an autobiography or two comes out, if there might be something more to that story than we realised at the time. Yeah, it was a bit jarring, that ending. But it wasn't the best match of that card. Really, I think this was the best match of that card. Better, I don't know. I, I haven't watched the other match since then, so I can't do a fair contrast comparison. That was definitely much more of a spectacle, the Lesnar-Cena uh, match, with Boom Bang. This one, as is fitting for a man that that's a vegan involved in it, and I don't know if Seamus is a vegan too, but it was a very nutritious match. Very, very lean no fat on it. And really, really well-structured story, I thought. And I think this is the match that convinced Vince McMahon that Daniel Bryan was actually as good a wrestler as everyone said he was. Because this was the first time where we didn't see Daniel Bryan, the upstart, the indie geek with the nerdy haircut and the RG shucks look and everything. Yeah. You know, the clean-shaven, bad haircuts gone. Now we've got a cropped haircut and beard and nor is it the semi-comical yes 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 figure that we saw as he became world heavyweight champion and had turned heel this is a new edgier daniel bryan he has a nastiness and 
when you look at it, a Masanobu Fushi-inspired shithousery in this match. It is funny watching this now, knowing that Daniel Bryan cites Fushi, who became our little cult hero last year when we were doing the Meltzer 5 Starathon. Still in my heart. My, uh, For always. Simon's Bay. We wanted to do a Fushi match early on, but we weren't able to find a good one with uh, Soyoshi Kikuchi, which was the one that we really wanted to cover. But if anyone has any recommendation for further Fushi matches that we might enjoy, we definitely want to talk about him again in the future. Just hook that to my veins. But what Daniel Bryan does that, that Fushi does so well as well is that he's a guy who's a smaller wrestler, so clearly visibly at a disadvantage throughout the whole match in the physical element. But he's still able to make the fans root for Sheamus because of his own ruthlessness and in-ring intelligence but also arrogance. There are two moments in this match that are flat out Fushi lifts. There's a moment where he does the arm ringer and wrenches Sheamus's arm over his shoulder. That is exactly how Fushi does his arm ringer to an opponent and often, again, a bigger opponent. So then taking advantage of the size uh, differential that he can rest the arm on the shoulder and it works perfectly for him. You know, yeah. that's taking the other guy's height to his advantage. And also, he literally does the Fushi stepping on Sheamus's face and lifting his arms aloft and posing to the crowd. I love Daniel Bryan as a heel. I think, especially like in recent time, his run with Kofi. The little things he does, it's the details. And one of my favourite all-time Daniel Bryan, like, shithousery moments is when he's mocking Brock's... Uh, jogging up and down very early yeah. in their match. Yeah. And it's this, the shit-eating grin he's got on his face. Yeah. He he knows how to be a heel. Well, we see that in this match at various points when he sees Sheamus in a vulnerable position and he's just loving it. One of my favourite favorite moments, and it is another smile, is we're going to jump all over the place, I think, with this one. It's after he gets disqualified mm. uh, for one of the falls and he's just grinning as those doctors run in, uh, slide into the ring. Mm. He's just like, oh, I've got you now. Yeah. And it's almost like he's taken away the satisfaction that Sheamus can have that he doesn't get to beat Brian for a fall in the match. In Brian's head, he's definitely going to win this one 2-1. And yeah. he gave away the other fall. So essentially, he dictated the entire... Every fall happened under Daniel Bryan's own strategy and discretion, essentially. But uh, another match that this reminds me of when we talk about the five-star matches is actually... Uh, a match I want to rewatch and reassess and see if I want to rate it higher and maybe put it in my top 10. Because I want to do that at some point, rewatch all the matches I gave five stars and recalibrate my top 10. And maybe you can do the same so that we can maybe get someone out of our overall top five that we don't, some people on there that we don't necessarily like being in there anymore. This reminded me a lot in many ways of the Katsuyori Shibata Kazuchika Okada match. Not in so much that it was a complete dominance, but in the sense that Daniel Bryan, like Shibata in that match, essentially wrestles a perfect match. He yeah. gets hit, he gets beat, he takes his licks, but that's due to a certain nature. Like, though, with o the fact is that Shibata's in there with the best in the world, Okada, and Okada just has those natural gifts. Whereas with this one, it's just Bryan is at such a size disadvantage, he's always going to be fighting from underneath. But he's well, able to absorb that, the punishment. But there's also the flash KO element, because obviously a month prior, the 18 seconds had happened. Yeah, yeah. And they, they really like play up to it straight away on, on the start of the third fall, after the doctors have like said Seamus can continue. Mm. When he does hit the flash brogue yeah. and nearly like steals it again, 
So it's it's one of those things. Brian wrestles a perfect match, but from a storyline perspective, the way he's wrestling this match makes perfect sense. Yeah. Because he wants to like grind down and ground Seamus, a man who can hit that broke. Gives an absolute pretty damn quickly. The whole match gives an absolutely believable reason for a guy who's six inches shorter and probably 50 pounds lighter being able to beat that other guy. Fair and square, almost. Because Brian doesn't really cheat that much. And when he does, he gets disqualified. Because he does it flagrantly in front of the referee. Yeah. And what's also funny with that five is that they do establish earlier on in the match with the five counts. And that's Daniel Bryan calling back to his Ring of Honor Brian Danielson character who would always do that and say... Very loudly, I have till five, referee. Mm. So that was, to, to the guys that know Brian Danielson, that's a callback. And we're like, oh, we're getting Ring of Honor World Champion Brian Danielson in this match. We're yeah. not getting NXT Miz's protege who doesn't know how to talk to girls, <sighs> Daniel Bryan, who's, you know, people competing over his virginity. This is him showing to Vince and maybe Vince realizing, oh, hang about, this might actually be one of the best wrestlers in my promotion. Yeah, the, the hype. Because Vince will never have seen this version of Daniel Bryan before. He would have seen a little bit of it when they had the uh, Elimination Chamber match and it came down to Bryan and Morella. And for once, Bryan was able to be sort of that dominant heel in the higher status. It wasn't him fighting from underneath like he had been during his whole Money in the Bank run with Mark Henry and The Big Show. And then and mm. subsequently now with Sheamus. I loved in that Chamber match just the way um, he got the crowd bought. Well, it's difficult because Santino was very good at what he did. They played off each other so well. But Brian, in what? terms of like making you want Santino Moreno to win the world title, I, I wanted that. For a but hot also, second, I wanted that. Weirdly, because Daniel Bryan had been booked so weakly, it was that sense of, well, if, if Morella's going to beat anyone for the title, it would be Brian. Yeah, just a bit where uh, Daniel Bryan hides back in the chamber and Big Show just, I think he tears the roof off and grabs him out. Yeah, something like that. So good at being a chicken shit. Mm. So good. Brian's it's weird phys- what you mentioned about Brian's physique as well, because we go, we go against, he goes against a man in Sheamus who's very much the physique that Vince McMahon wants, but for whatever reason, just never seemed to quite catch. He's already been, well, I think he's been a world champion at this point. Well, obviously he won the WWE Championship unexpectedly at, at TLC 2009. In like, a table match. Been, yeah, he, I think he'd only debuted that year on ECW, or maybe late the previous year and have been on Raw for even shorter period than that. And, you know, obviously they booked it. It was a table match, one of your favourite stipulations, which is a very good way for someone to get a win, and the person who loses doesn't look so bad, because often at times it's not. As it's a get-out to stop someone getting pinned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I accept it has value there. Yeah. And also you got the classic finish of when Cody Rhodes drop-kicked Big Show off the apron. And... Granted, that was clever. That yeah. was one few like clever table matches finishes i'm not gonna go in the ramp but that was good mm. the thing the thing with sheamus is that he was always seen as a bit of an office kiss ass because the story goes that one of the reasons he got the world title was one of two reasons one was that he was a workout partner with triple h that like he actually went to triple h and has to work out with him in the gym mm. and obviously i mean now sheamus makes a very good um side Living. hustle yeah. with his uh, YouTube what is it, warrior workouts or something warrior workout. and he does stuff with pretty much every guy in the, on the roster at this point so maybe he just likes gym buddies you know but 
He picked a good one in Triple H. And the other story I remember hearing was that he actually turned up to a show that he wasn't booked on in order to, like, show initiative. So it was sort of a dress-for-the-job-you-want-not-the-job-you-have situation. And yeah. Vince decided to give him a go. And also, you know, let's be honest, Vince McMahon, he's not going to be against pushing a guy whose name is Seamus. The, yeah, the, the Irishness was always, like, played up. Hulk Hogan, um, you know. Yeah. Although not a very Irish-looking gentleman, it has to be said. No. Although the legend no. goes that Vince McMahon Sr. wanted him to dye his hair red. Really pushed the Hogan aspect to it. <laughs> but no, Seamus just seems like quite a... Um well-grounded i can't remember what year it was was but there was a bbc free documentary with an irish lady that was with with seamus for like followed seamus around for a while and he came across uh, on that program was quite just a, just a nice bloke i've heard different stories i've heard conflicting stories i remember like kayfabe commentary the guy who runs that seeming to imply that everyone didn't like seamus but wouldn't say it on camera but maybe that was a young Seamus. Maybe he's a different guy now. I think I think just basically Seamus played, no pun intended, played the game well. I think oftentimes he's at his least interesting when he's put into that main event scene. Obviously the League of Nations stuff when he was feuding with Roman Reigns when he won the World Cup. Oh, World well, the League of Nations was just a disaster wholesale. How he was presented against the Nexus. And after this feud with Daniel Bryan, I think soon after he was put into a feud with the Big Show and the Big Show pretty much pretty decisively beat him that's when we had the classic moment of the chairs match where big show brought out a supersized chair to yes Seamus with. but i i've always thought Seamus was a rock solid wrestler very i think weirdly along the lines of randy orton who i think he got paired with quite a lot in that sense of the people that the office like and that are admired but maybe can't make that step up as far as like the online fan or the wrestling obsessive will get into them like everything's technically competent my guess is you don't very often see Seamus in Botchamania, you know? Yeah. All the things he knows how to do, he does well. Well, I can't but, remember who said it, but we've, I think we've said it before in the, the past time we talked about Seamus. Like, there's that saying that Seamus isn't the guy who gets you the money. He's the guy who works with the guy who gets yeah. you the money. Yeah. I can't remember who that's attributed to. But... Well, Cornette says that about Triple H. Uh, oh. But I think it was a common term used before then. Cornette was just the one that popularized it within the online world i think i think my favorite stuff with seamus has been his stuff with cesaro in the bar and everything i think that was if i picked a favorite period for seamus that was it for me i thought they were a really good team there they were and then they got absolutely dumped all over unceremoniously with the whole nicholas debacle yeah well that's the weird thing again like i think the thing is that no one's ever going to rush to seamus's defense online when he gets mistreated I think people yeah. owned with the Nexus storyline. I don't think Seamus has ever really been one that the, the internet crowd has warmed to because I think he's someone that has good matches, but rarely, you know, he he rarely has the worst match on the card, but in the eyes of the internet fans, he rarely has the best match on the card either. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I've, I stand by my assertion that this was the best match on this card. I mean, <laughs> granted, cards on the table i've not rewatched the brock cena match so it's a partially qualified statement to say the least but i i love this match i just do and I, it came out like a Are you time annoyed that i picked it did you want this to be one of your picks it was one that i was going to pick if it hadn't been picked by the time i had the option obviously with our caveats in place it was on my list 
So I'm not mad. Whether I should have like led with uh, Mayweather Big Show like I did, uh, that could be like exu- like youthful exuberance on my part. But it bees what it bees. There's no wasted energy in this match. Everything's yeah. done for a reason. Possible exception, Seamus, like, you know, obviously calling for the brogue, but he does, and obviously the 10 beat to the bell run. But, I mean, that's still a move that well, hurts. his trademark move, and he needed, yeah. he, he was doing that in a period where Brian had dominated for so long. You know, what's the best way to cause damage as much as possible? Well, if you're holding the guy against the ropes and hit them in the chest 10 times, that's going to help. Yeah. But I do want to say, I just don't want to uh, skip the, the Seamus praise uh, all entirely because he, he sells for Brian really well throughout this whole match. Yeah, I mean, like, I've he, no, a wholesale, I've got no issue with Seamus. He I, sells I, the whole thing like he's been through a war. He's had to pull something out from really deep within to get a victory. Yeah, I mean, you don't get as many opportunities as him. Well, as many. And if you're um, that size, you can dominate and maybe make a guy look bad. You know, plenty of big guys have done that in the past and not known how to work with a smaller guy. Yeah. And and Sheamus does what is expected of him in this match and makes Daniel Bryan look like a killer without him looking stupid. It's just he gets overwhelmed. Bryan's wrestling this perfect match and he just makes moments and, and Daniel Bryan escapes into the, the right split second. You know, like when Sheamus charges him at one point into the ring post and Bryan's able to evade him in that split second. That hurts his shoulder and... Brian takes advantage of that and starts going after the shoulder. At the start, like I said, Sheamus is overwhelming Brian, and he's also playing him at his own game in the technical wrestling side of things. We're going all the way back to the beginning, but I love how they establish different elements. That Daniel is probably the better technical wrestler, but Sheamus has the size that he can overwhelm him. So Daniel's desperately trying to wrestle him to the ground to put him in a submission hold, and Sheamus can do it almost with ease very early on armings and headlocks and and Seamus is overpowering him usually and getting Brian to the ground with these whereas for Brian is taking that effort to get him down and that's not Seamus making Brian look bad that's just the dynamic that they're playing up in this match because like I said there are six inches and about 50 pounds in between them so that's what it logically would be no matter how good a wrestler you are yeah and obviously again the flash knockout nature of the feud yeah. they emphasize that like obviously Seamus with the 18 seconds t-shirt yeah. and then the fact they go he goes for the brogue pretty like within the first minute well i think what's great about this is that it gives this sense of brian's got this extra motivation to be as good as he is in this whole match because he has been humiliated but yeah. it was only it was only through his own arrogance and hubris and the only reason that the match went for 18 seconds is because 10 of those seconds was daniel getting a kiss from aj if you went it from the moment they charged each other, then it, it's an eight-second match, you know? And ultimately, what this match proves as well is that that 18 seconds was essentially a fluke shock victory. And really, yeah. if nothing else, just puts over that Daniel Bryan kind of needed to learn a lesson in humility. Whilst he won't admit to it, this has clearly created a better, more determined Daniel Bryan that gives Sheamus the fight of his life. after the, He's after refocused, that. yeah. Yeah, but it also shows that Sheamus hasn't just got this through fluke, he can back it up later on and, and win it the hard way as well as the easy way. Mm. And also just makes the broke kick look like a killer finisher. Throughout that period, Sheamus's broke kick was very well protected. Because you mentioned the Big Show feud that follows this for Sheamus, and one of my like favourite... You know when they just do something which just looks a bit 80s and a bit after its time? They got like oh, a punch, punch strength machine in, and they did a broke kick versus WMD off. 
And it was fine, but it was just a little hokiness. I remember them having that for an NXT Season 2 thing. I can't remember if they had it in Season 1. And it was a power of the punch test. And Loki, when he was Kaval, made a point of, I want to kick because my kicks are so deadly. The thing about that is the kick is a lot harder to bring a real lot of power into it than a punch. It's more the surprise element than anything else and the, the swiftness of it. Because they did it for shoot, and I remember that his kick was nowhere near as powerful as the other guy's punches. <laughs> so, Kamal yeah. being shown up for a guy who didn't think something through. Yeah. Funny that. Well, it's all about the connection. And at the end of the day, what he'd have been trying is a type of head kick. Kicks in general do yeah. generate more power than like, punches. If he was doing it lower, like a, sock, like a PK penalty kick, it probably would have had as much impact. Yeah. But he was having to do it on a high angle and everything. I mean, that's one of the various reasons Anoki went for his strategy against Ali because he knew what kicks could do well, and he just didn't want to get smashed a little coward who never really wanted to have a real fight in his life but we won't go into that yeah what also I think should be put up uh, here as well is that this is still the nascent period of Daniel Bryan as being defined now by the yes thing and what's so funny as well with the yes thing is that that was something that Bryan said that Vince essentially noticed he was doing because he was just do, like saying loads of stuff and, and behaving and going yes, which was a reference to a UFC fighter, Diego something, I want to say. Diego Sanchez, maybe? Yes. All yes. right, yeah. It was a, one of those sort of positive visualization kind of guys. Ah. I remember seeing him have this awesome fight with Clay Guida. And as he was going to the ring, he was doing this um, Tony Randall yes thing. And so that's where it was coming from, Daniel. Brian. And he was eventually pointed that out and saying, do more of that. So he starts doing more of it. And then when it comes to WrestleMania time, the crowd's going crazy for it. He gets knocked out. And what people, I think, are misremembering, this was also post-WrestleMania 28, this one was. And this was one of the, like, now the post-WrestleMania Raw started to become something, and maybe they reached then Apex slash Nadir with WrestleMania 29, where we saw... Seamus and Randy Orton having that match. That's the, that's a match of the week we'll have to cover at a later mm. date, actually, for entirely different sorts of reasons. You hate those crowds, don't you? If you remember, though, again, it's like Vince McMahon's weird relationship with Daniel Bryan and how he books him. I don't know if you remember this. Daniel Bryan was literally not on that episode of Raw. Yeah. And it, when Seamus came out to celebrate, they were setting him up for a feud with Alberto Del Rio. So as far as they were concerned, Daniel Bryan was been and gone. Was done. They would probably yeah. do a few a storyline with him and AJ, but it wouldn't be involving Sheamus and the world title. But that night was just yes chance all night long. All night. Was that the Fandango one or was that WrestleMania 29? I think it was 29 that was the Fandango one, wasn't it? Oh, Fandango was an outdoor mania, but there were a lot of outdoor manias then. Yeah, I want to say Fandango was 29. because Yes, and I'll tell you for why. Because this was Jericho, CM Punk. Yes, uh, exactly right. Yes, you're exactly right there. Yes, so it would have been 29. But this was the first time. And so, and then he came out for a dark match. And the crowd went apeshit for him. So, my guess is that then Daniel Vince was like, okay, well, we'll give him a rematch. And then it was like, two out of three falls is the perfect storyline rematch for this so it's this idea of you can't just have a fluke win in over one yeah. fall you got to kind of try and prove it and two out of three falls are very often very poorly booked in the wwe very often what they'll do is they'll give them the same length of time 
as a regular one-on-one match, so they just go through the first and second fall super quick. The yeah. things that wouldn't necessarily win it do. They, this one is a use, very they... long first act, a very short second act, and then medium-length third act. Yeah. They do this thing as well, or they did it when Vince had his thing about no wrestling during ad breaks. They, they put a lot yeah, of two out of three full matches that. in then, and less is more. Vince is a strange, <laughs> strange man. Yes. Strange man. So every part of the fall is a chapter in a story, but they're not of equal weight or length. But they're all of, you know, effectiveness. It's not the size, mate. It's how you use it. There you go. Also, Daniel Bryan getting DQ'd is like a classic move, usually from Iron Man matches. Like, I remember Triple H doing it in his one with The Rock. Smacked him with a chair. Immediately disqualified, but then he's immediately able to pin The Rock straight after. And so, evens it all up and Rock's in a much worse state than he is. Yeah. Uh, When Rick Rude had a 30-minute Iron Man match with Ricky Steamboats... He did a move off the top rope, which was illegal at that point, and got disqualified for it. But immediately, Ricky Steamboat's so hurt, he's able to pin him and get the win. So with this one, it is Daniel Bryan sacrificing that fall because he sacrificed it by being too brutal to Sheamus. And Sheamus is in no real way to recover in time, even though they do have that like 30-second rest period. It, it really plays it up still. It's more than 30 seconds he's, he's being looked at by the doctors. Because that, that's, no, that's the after, thing. That's like, after Brian... the second fall. That's after the second fall. Ah. Yes, when he passes out, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but there's something that Brian could have held on to. It's like, well, he was unconscious after fall two. That was that was way more than 30 seconds between those falls. So Brian, had, like, even after this up. match... Well, that but that's what's wonderful because as well, like I said, this is still like a nascent period in the yes chance. Even even Brian when he does the yes isn't really in the same that that pattern that rhythm that can get the crowd to go along with it. And also the crowd aren't all going along with this. And even this is in Chicago, like Smart Central, <clears throat> but still a sizable portion of the fans do not like Daniel Bryan. They see him as a heel and James as a face. Uh, there's obviously a very large Smart contingency, so it's a mixed response all the way through. Yeah, but uh, when he's doing the yes, there's as many no's going back. But this is before the no has its own gesture as well, and um, and the um, eighteen seconds chance as well. It, it's there's a good vibe yeah. to the crowd room. But I think well. Daniel's only just now called his move the the yes lock instead of the label lock. What I also love as well with the with Seamus going out of consciousness is also a sign of maybe Seamus's. Pride, which is the stereotypical thing for a lot of baby faces, that they don't want to look weak, that they never do tap out, but they pass out. Yeah. And by Seamus doing that, he kind of screws himself up even more. You know, logically, he should kind of, like Brian, sacrifice a fall for the greater good of he'll have more time to recover, but he doesn't do so, and that ultimately lands him into bigger trouble. But mm. what is fantastic, and I don't know if this is deliberate or not, that they catch this on the audio. But the, the doctor is saying to Seamus, can you continue? And what does Seamus say? Yes. 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 If that's intentional. And if not, <laughs> then what a happy coincidence. But that is also perfect that in this moment, the sudden brogue kick at the charging Daniel Bryan, and that works because Bryan charged at him at the start of the second fall and drop kicked him in the corner. So in Brian's mind, this is how he won it the first. He's going to do exactly the same yeah. thing he did last time. And Seamus, he doesn't have his shoulder, so he literally only has his leg to do anything. So the bro kick is really the only option. And instead of it just being an, an attack, an attacking move to win, it's ultimately a defensive move at this point. It's an equalizing move, really. It's a Hail Mary swing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. 
if he'd have won off of that bro kick, would you have been angry? Or do you think that would have been a really clever way to end it? Because uh, in that one, it makes Sheamus look fluky almost in that moment. Because when Sheamus does hit the final bro kick, it's a lot more decisive. Yeah, I don't think when I was watching wrestling at the time, I'd have thought the way you've just described. Uh, in hindsight, I probably would say there is value to it, but two straight losses in a feud is usually a killer. I think you would have done it where Sheamus essentially fell on top of Brian right after he did it. Then it would have worked. Instead, what they did was that Sheamus had nothing. That took every last bit of energy, and it takes him ages to get to Brian, which allows Brian to kick out of the bro kick, which in and of itself is very impressive. Like you say, the bro kick was very well protected at that point, and Brian got to kick out of it. And then, like I said, it's, it really evens it up and makes the third ball like that perfect short... You're going straight into the finishing sequence with the third fall as well. Yeah. You know? Literally starts with a finisher. Mm. All in all, just beautiful. If, if, if you've not seen it, go and watch it. It's, it's, I love this match. I love it so well, much. Well, you know, let's just talk a bit more about the finish. Like, it is like a battle of wills at this point. They're both probably taking as much out of each other. Um, and Brian is still going away and he's resilient. and he And he has his head about him more still. At that early stage, even though you know Sheamus was the one that hit the bro kick, Brian is the one that's getting like hits him with really good kicks and a really good kick to the head. You know, this was the start of Brian's kicks becoming a very key point of his arsenal as well. And then very soon after that, they become the yes kicks. Yeah, then they're fighting on the top rope, and this is something Daniel Bryan's done well in other matches. That sense that we're coming to the fight. Whoever hits the next big move is going to win it. And Brian is able to actually win that fight on the top rope, which again, a sign that despite his size, he has been able to overwhelm Sheamus and win a, a brawl, essentially, against the brawler. Yeah. And he goes for it all with that top rope head, but, and he misses it. And Sheamus is able to charge the, dodge the charge and drop kick, hits a series of axe handles, and then like he's proper like Shawn Michaels tuning up the band, Hulk Hogan turning to the crowd, Ultimate Warrior posing... Jake Roberts twisting his fingers around, setting up and hitting the finish. There's no real tension, as it were, in that. Mm. Like, it is prelude to a dominant victory, it would seem, but it's very much not the case, you know? But it is Seamus pulling it all out and able to get that win after, instead of an easy day at the office in 18 seconds, it's been fucking hell he's gone through. He lost yeah. his arm in this conflict, essentially. He's going to be in a sling for a day or two or something like that. After the final pinfall as well, like the, the just sheer exhaustion on his face, he sells that really well mm. to emphasise, as you say, like how much of a struggle he's been through. Well, uh, like I said, like right after this, while Seamus kind of gets a bit lost in the shuffle and is feuding with the big show, for the rest of the year for Daniel Bryan, he goes from this straight to a feud with CM Punk for the WWE title. And, then right and AJ. That, yep. Then AJ gets involved and, and the, then Kane gets involved. And from there you get Team Hell No. Some of the funniest stuff WWE's done for years. And the brilliance that is Dr. Shelby. Yep. And then after that, the Shield come along and Brian is perfectly placed to be one of the main thorns in their side. And then before you know it, most popular guy on the roster. And I think this, this gives him the opportunities from Vince. And he's connecting with the crowd already. And this, like I said, this is a key. If you want to know, if you're doing the WWE career of Daniel Bryan in key chapters, this, you'd this always put in the 18 seconds one, but you'd use that as negative. 
but this is the very positive follow-up to it that makes, to me, makes the 18 seconds perfectly w- worth it. That it, you know, mm. it wasn't Vince's intention in that moment. I think that 18 seconds was, that's your time in the main event, kid. Now go off and do a funny story with your with your girlfriend. Yeah. Instead. Well, look what we got out of this. It. If we hadn't had 18 seconds, maybe CM Punk would never have uh, hooked up with AJ. Potential. Never think. You didn't think about it. Never know. The old Never butterfly know. effect. Yeah. Anyway. Simon, we've had this one. Great match. I don't know. Do you want to talk about whether you give it five stars or not? Or do you want to leave that mystery up in the air or what? Because Meltzer gave it four. I think it's obvious, already pretty obvious, where where my allegiances lie there. So I'll just go for the confirmation. Yeah, I'd give this five stars. Yeah, on Cage Match, I believe its rating is a mere 0.05 lower than that of uh, the John Cena-Brock Lesnar match on the show. Mm. So it's obviously is highly thought of. But like I said, sometimes I think it gets a little bit lost in the shuffle when you talk about all the great Daniel Bryan moments and really all the great Sheamus moments as well. And, and great World Heavyweight title matches and great... Two out of three falls matches. I think you can list those in all of those categories, personally. It is nice to see big gold as well. Yeah. I do love big gold. Well, I've never been that big a fan. I always thought it was like a giant gold splat. I never really liked it that much. But we'll save yeah. that controversy for another time. But anyway, if people want to get in touch with you, Simon, about other hidden gems they might want to recommend, how can they do so? They can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross. Free, free for the number of falls in this match. And yes, I did take the easy cop out option. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U W L A for ankle, N for neck. Those are very body parts that Daniel Bryan would know exactly how to wrench out into the good submission hold. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterbox. Do we put that gmail.com at the end of it? That's uh, my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. lmtyspod is also our Twitter handle. Simon, what is your pick for our very next match? Well, it's uh, giving up my theme of stuff I've always wanted to see but never got round to. I've always fancied watching some bleach blonde sting. So uh, we're going to Super Brawl 1, which has the match between the Steiner brothers. Very jarring seeing Scott Steiner with hair. Pink, <laughs> hot pink. Uh, the hot pink. I'm on board with the hot pink. It's the hair that like, trips me out. But Gives you a full view of everything that does. Very yeah. Cool. Uh, versus Sting and Lex Luger, who is indeed the total package. There's nothing left to say except to say that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time. Until the next time.